that, go to Matthew chapter 5 in your Bibles. Matthew 5. Look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, captures something here. It says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed, apprenticed, apprenticed to him, uh, the committed climbed with him, arriving at a quiet place. He sat down and taught his climbing companions. You know what? Jesus spoke to those who were willing to make the climb with him. And it's very hard for God to teach us when we won't make the climb. It's very, very hard. I, I, can I say it like this? And if you feel like this is not theologically accurate, um, you know, we can, we can talk about it afterwards. But I think we are always expecting God to come to us. We're always expecting God to come to us. And we fail to realize that God did. He, he sent his only son to come and to die for us. And the Bible says that as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. You have to be willing to make a climb. You've got to be willing to make a climb. And as you do, I believe God reveals himself to you in ways that he wouldn't before. In the Beatitudes, we see that, um, and Dan and Hilma is our example, they were crying out to God. In the midst of their sin, they were crying out to God, which is pretty impressive in the midst of affairs and, and, you know, drinking heavily. They were crying out to God in the midst of it. And in verse 3, in Matthew chapter 5, Dan and Hilma, they realized that they were poor in spirit and needed Blessed are the poor in spirit. People are blessed when they realize that they're spiritually bankrupt. And spirituality isn't the outward. I mean, you might be able to snow some of the people, but nobody's snowing God. And the outward only works for so long. If there's not inward change, if there's not an inward hunger for God, the outward only lasts so long. They mourned the damage that they had done. Blessed are they who mourn. They humbled themselves and obtained grace. James 4, 6, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He'll lift you up. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5 now, verse 6. I want to read it in the in the English Standard, the ESV, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I love that word, satisfied. Older versions will say filled. I love the word satisfied here. It's a better picture of what the original language is. Jesus is speaking of a desire and a longing so strong that it applies to both hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst both. Dan and Hilma knew their lives weren't right with God, they had also found that money, alcohol, and affairs don't satisfy, so even in the midst of their sin, they cried out to God. Hilma cried out to God in the midst of her affairs. Dan cried out to God in the midst of his heavy drinking. And when we genuinely cry out to God, he speaks. And even in the midst of the affairs, Hilma cries out to God, and God reveals scriptures like John 14, 21, like she had mentioned. God spoke to Dan's heart about restoring his marriage, and what you didn't hear in that clip, I saw um, all of the footage, and then they stripped it down um, to this. Uh, God literally gave Dan a vision about his marriage being restored. Can you imagine in the midst of all of that, you're processing all of that. There's, there's 
heavy drinking going on. There are affairs going on that you just can't seem to stop, yet you're crying out to God in the middle of it all. You would be shocked at how God can begin to minister to you in the midst of everything that you got going on. So many times we feel like we're so dirty that we can't come to God. Well, Dad and Hilma, Dan and Hilma had been in the church long enough to know that they could come to God in any condition. You know, we come to him just as we are. It's just that we don't stay as we are. I'm not trying to cut a deal with God. God, I'll come to you if I can get to do this and this and continue to do this and this. No, 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 no. We come to him because we recognize that we need him and we surrender our life to him. And then he makes us into something new that we've never been before. And old things have passed away and all things become new. What we want is the new. And sometimes the new scares us. Well, what would the new look like? Well, if you're really miserable, you could care less what the new looks like. Anything's better than what you're going through. My pastor used to say, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's amazing what God can do. And Dan and Hilma got to that point. They, God spoke a message to them in the middle of, her mess, of their mess. Every distraction or deception began to get exposed. Hilma talked about how God's revealing her own heart to her. Isn't that what God did to the children of Israel in, in the wilderness? Bible says that he sent leanness into their soul or he caused them to hunger so that they would know what was in their heart. And many times we go through the situations that we go through so that we can know what is in our own heart. And it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And Hilma even talked about being scared because of what God began to reveal. And I love the fact if you were to see all of the footage that Dan and Hilma not only sought God's counsel, but they sought godly counsel. The Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. And there's two ways that you can go into seeking godly counsel from believers, from pastors, from church leadership. You can bounce around and go to them until they, they tell you what you want to hear. Or you can go to God and godly counsel to hear what you, you need to hear. And so many times we're just waiting for that one person to, to agree with us. I don't think there's anything wrong with you drinking heavily. I don't think there's anything wrong with affairs. I saw on a, a magazine uh, cover one time as I was going through checkout, it was talking about how an affair is good for your marriage. I'm like, are you, are you kidding? I mean, and, and these people are making money writing garbage like that? Anybody who's ever had to endure an affair knows it's not good for your marriage. Anybody who's ever struggled with substances knows it's not good for your marriage. Using Dan and Hilma as our example, let's say you're here today and you're believing for restoration. How can restoration begin? I want to offer five ways that restoration can begin. First, we must realize that our sin doesn't repel God, our pride does. So humble yourselves and cry out to God. Your sin doesn't repel God, but your pride does. The Bible says God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. If our, if our sin repelled God, then Jesus wouldn't have died for us while we were yet sinners. And so many times we think that our sin is so nasty and it's so awful and it's so hideous and it's so gross, God wouldn't have anything to do with us. I'm telling you, Jesus died on the cross for people just like us. 
and we come to him. We come to him with all of our filthiness. We come to him with all of our sin, and he washes us clean. The Bible says, though your sins are red as scarlet, they'll be made white as snow, Isaiah chapter 1. And so right now, that notion that our sin repels, repels God, it doesn't. Your pride does. Your pride does. That's why blessed are those who, who are poor in spirit. They, they realize that I am spiritually bankrupt. I'm broke spiritually. And I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Secondly, as God begins to speak, and he will be obedient to him and his word. God began working on him and said, go back home. Their marriage wasn't healed. Their marriage wasn't restored. God simply spoke. And she came back home. Isn't it amazing how a single word from the Lord can bring healing? The Bible says that he sent his word and healed them. A single word from God can bring healing. A single scripture can bring healing. So as God begins to speak, and if you're seeking him, he will. The Bible promises if you seek him, you'll find him. And it doesn't talk about the condition of the seeker. It just simply says if you seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. And how do you know that you found him? You know that you found him because he's begun to speak. That's how you know. And then it's up to you to respond And please understand, those scriptures that were written in the Old Testament in Hebrew thought, hearing and obeying were not two different words. They were one word, shema. Hearing and obeying were one word because in Jewish thought and Hebrew thought, what would be the sense in hearing God if you weren't going to obey him? Why would you even spend time seeking him him if you weren't going to obey him? That's why the shema in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It begins with the word hear. That's why they call it the Shema. So hearing and obedience were all one word, all one school of thought for the Jew. And so if you're seeking him and he speaks, doggone it, obey him. And I seldom believe that there's a struggle. You know, I really don't know if it was God. You know when it's God. You know when it's God. He's not in agreement with your thought or your flesh or your appetites. He's challenging that. And when God speaks, you feel it. And those of you that are in a relationship with a living God and you have God speaking to your heart, you feel him speak and then you wrestle with it in your mind. That's why his voice is described in scripture as like many waters, as as thundering, because it's felt. It's felt. So when God speaks, be obedient to him. Third, forgive them for what they've done and repent for what you've done. I think sometimes we've got it backwards. We want them to come and repent. No, you repent. You forgive them when they come and ask, and ask for your forgiveness and, and say that you're sorry. You, you repent because seldom is it a one-way street. We're talking relationships here. Seldom is it one way. And so forgive and repent. Forgive and repent. You know, when we don't repent, what we're saying is, you know, I got it all together. I joke around with Lisa all the time. You know, 
or you know, if if you would just keep changing, you know, I'm fine. You know, you just need to you just need to go to work, and you just need and we'll laugh, and but because it's crazy, we all need to keep growing, and so for us to expect, you know, people to 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 change, and for us not to, what are we the Lord that we don't need to change? I am the Lord, I change not. I don't think so. We all need to keep growing, and we all need to change. Fourth, ask for help. Ask for help. You know how many times I've heard people say, you know what, this is really, really difficult for me, but, you know, I need help. Man, I'm so glad you asked. Because until you ask for help, a lot of people have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. And we can get really, really good in church circles at putting that mask and that facade on. Man, we can get good. Ask for help. There are, there are incredible, godly counselors out there. Amazing, amazing counselors out there. I know some that attend this church, licensed counselors, people who love God. Ask for help. I need help. I need help. Because sometimes even as a pastor, and I'm not a licensed counselor, even as a pastor, I can put my finger on something, but I'm thinking, man, there are years and there are layers and they need a pro to sit down with them and to peel those layers back. Ask for help. And then lastly, and I know that this is a four-letter word and it's probably even gonna seem like a swear word to you, but work. Work. Work hard knowing that this is a process. It didn't happen in a day. It's not gonna disappear in a day. So you commit to do the work that you need to do. Commit. Commit. And you work hard. You work hard on your relationship. You work hard and you commit to it. Cooperating with the Holy Spirit and God's word isn't always easy in the beginning, especially if you're processed. You'll need great grace. But grace, biblically, is obtained through humility. Grace is obtained through humility. And I'm going to read it to you in James 4, 6. I'm going to read two scriptures. I'm going to close the service and we are going to have couples up here that want to pray for you. Whatever your situations are, we want to minister to you because we just felt as we were praying this week, I felt as I was praying this week that God wanted to minister to relationships. Could be hurting marriages in here, hurting relationships in here. James 4, 6. says, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And verse 7 goes on, so humble yourselves before the Lord, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. He gives grace generously. It's not a matter of whether or not God will give grace. It's a matter of whether or not you will humble yourself to get it. And in Hebrews 4, verse 16, it tells us that God's very throne is a throne of grace and that we can boldly approach it to obtain grace and mercy in a time of need. God's throne is a throne of grace, that he has grace for you. And that grace isn't a band-aid so that you can live any way that you want to. That grace enables you to do what you never could do apart from him and only can do with him.
And it's available today. Great grace is available.